Hello and welcome to a brand new Arseblog Arsecast right here on Arseblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Thank you very much indeed, as always, for being here. As has been the case for the last few weeks, I'm just putting this podcast out when it's ready rather than doing the, um, you know, record on a Thursday, put it out first thing Friday morning. Things move quickly, so it's probably the best thing to put them out as soon as they are ready. We have, of course, been sitting on some hashtag content because we have had some, I was going to say unofficial, but we've had some developments this week. And I think when, when David Ornstein reports that Arsenal and West Ham have got full agreement over the fee for Declan Rice, and when he reports that Arsenal and Ajax have got full agreement over the fee for Yuri and Timber, you can take it as read that those deals are going to go through beyond some kind of catastrophe with the medical or something like that. But that is basically as official as you can get without it being actually official. Official, official, I think is the technical term. So we will have a podcast for each new player, for Declan Rice, for Yuri and Timber. Those will be available exclusively to our Patreon members. We talk about the player. We talk about where they're good, what they're going to bring to the team, strengths and weaknesses. Uh, we analyze the deals themselves. But on the main website, free for everybody, we will have our transfer profile pieces, our new player profile pieces, I should say. Again, looking at what the player is going to bring to Arsenal. Uh, from a footballing point of view, those will be free uh, to everybody, as is all the stuff that we do on arsblog.com and, of course, arsblog.news. There was an earlier podcast this week, myself and Tim Stillman, chatting about the arrival of Alessia Russo, the England striker to Arsenal women. She signs... Uh, or has signed, rather, on a free transfer, having left Manchester United uh, at the end of her contract. We also talk about the other signings that Arsenal women have made this summer as well. All of that stuff, the usual Arscast stuff, all the blogs, all the columns, all the news, it is all free. And I don't know if you've noticed, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but we have removed every single piece of advertising from the website. So you do not have any kind of distraction. We never did any pop-ups or video play ads or anything like that, but it's all gone. So it's all super clean, super Super nice. It looks good, especially good on mobile as well, so you can check the mobile sites. But it does mean that everything we do on Arsblog is supported by you, supported by the readers, supported by the listeners. And if you feel like signing up for Patreon, not only do you get the exclusive stuff that we do on there, but you're also helping us invest more back into the site itself. So the continuously developing uh, coverage of the women's team, for example, more coverage of the youths, and basically everything that goes on at the club. So if you did feel like signing up, it would be greatly appreciated. It's patreon.com forward slash arsblog. That's patreon.com forward slash arsblog. It's set at $6, so I don't know what that works out at. Probably about six euros, just under six euros, five pounds fifty for a month. And uh, like I said, you get everything that we do on there. You get access immediately to all the back catalog, all the archives, and you help support what we do on Arsblog and Arsblog News every single day of the week. So there you go. Now, as for today's show, like I said, there have been some positive developments during the week, up to the point where I'm recording this anyway on Thursday afternoon. The two players uh, I mentioned whose deals are set to go through, there's also William Saliba about to sign a new contract. And just as I'm sitting here, we have something that's actually happened. Arsenal have announced a new contract for... So we will talk about a few of the things that have actually happened and some of the things that haven't happened fully just yet, but we're confident will happen. And lots more besides with me to do that on today's show. It's Andrew Allen. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Andrew. It's been a while. Hello, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> let, let's start with one of the things that did actually happen um, a little earlier today, Thursday, as we're recording. Reese Nelson put pen to paper on a new contract in slightly unusual circumstances. I can't remember an Arsenal player having their contract expire, become a free agent for a few days, and then sign on again. But he has um, signed a four-year deal, I think, with a one-year option. What are your sort of overriding thoughts on this one? Um yeah, a bit of an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, I think if you'd told anyone a couple of years ago that Reese Nelson would be signing a new four-year deal at the club, they'd have been surprised. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure that he did so much last season that he necessarily 
you know, warrants such a long-term commitment from the club. But at the same time, if we were going to lose him for free, I think it makes sense to tie someone down. He's still young. There's still value in the player. Um, and I do think he's improving, has matured and is heading in the right direction. Whether mm. he's ever able to, you know, rival Bukayo Saka, you know, for a starting berth, I don't know. But, you know, in terms of taking an issue off the list, you know, you've got someone there who can play that role. We've got a lot of football next season. We need to rotate a bit more. I think we know that he probably can do it against some lower caliber opposition. And all in all, yeah, I mean, I, I can see how it makes sense. I mean, we've obviously decided that we have a set budget. We have some priorities. We've gone out. We've tried to deal with those. And this, I guess, was a priority a couple of windows ago, trying to get a kind of maybe explosive uh, right winger who could rival Bakayo. But maybe we've decided to to just sort of shift focus a little bit there. Um, I'm pleased for him because I think, you know, as he says in his sort of interview, like he's been at the club since he was eight years old. Um, he did say something interesting, which was that Arteta wanted to get, you know, get him to sign the contract as far back as when he came back from uh, Feyenoord last uh, summer. Mm. You know, so he's been sitting on that for a whole year and obviously had lots of options. Lots of people have approached him. No doubt, you know, people saw that goal against Bournemouth and the impact <laughs> against Forest, and they, they thought, okay, there's a player here. And he's English, you know, homegrown status obviously holds some worth as well. So, yeah, there's lots of – I can sort of see both sides of it. Um, ultimately, I'm pleased with the player and hopefully he can kick on. Yeah, it, there is a bit to unpack, I think, because, you know, he – when you think back a few years was like one of the most highly rated players at the academy level. I remember going to one of the members days a few years ago and they were having just a, you know, short sided game, small sided game, I should say. And he scored a, a goal with an unbelievable flick. I think they even caught it and put it up on the, the official website, but he's had a lot of injuries. It's a lot of unfortunate injuries, unfortunately timed injuries as well. You know, periods where you think, okay, he really needs to go and play now. And then he gets an injury and he stays and he doesn't play very much for Arsenal. And that's happened maybe two or, or three times. And I think there are aspects that you mentioned, budgetary. You know, Arsenal, um, perhaps by the end of the weekend, could have spent £200 million, which doesn't leave you a great deal of money to go out and buy somebody who can cover both wing positions. He plays on the left, he plays on the right. So there's a, a sort of common sense aspect to that. The other thing I would say as well is that, you know, Mikel Arteta won't give a new contract to a player just for the sake of it. If he doesn't think that player is going to contribute or can't contribute to the team, he won't give them a contract. You know, he is um, a ruthless kind of a guy. If he didn't think Reese Nelson was up to the job, particularly as the team is getting better and improving and we're going to play Champions League next season, he simply would not give him a deal. I think it goes beyond protecting his um, protecting his value and, you know, down the line, maybe we sell him and that's good business and all the rest. But there's, there's football, first and foremost, is your decision maker. What I thought was quite interesting was, you know, I was thinking about it and I was thinking, well, why would he sign? You know, he's not going to be first choice on the left. He's not going to be first choice on the right. He could go and play regular first-team football somewhere else. He'll have a good offer because he can leave on a free, good money. Um, I'm sure there were some convincing pitches to him as well. But he was asked about that in the interview with the official site, and he said, um, it's the way we played last season. I've been here for many years. I've been for good years and bad years. And last year, I've seen the rise that Arsenal have taken, taking them to new heights. And I feel like I want to be part of the journey. And we've talked about this in sort of abstract terms about, well, players want to come to Arsenal because it's the place to be. If you're a young player, there's a team on the up with a young manager, lots of good, uh, good players. It's a very attractive destination if you're thinking of changing clubs. But that Reese Nelson has sort of thought about his own playing time, which is probably going to be limited in terms of, you know, in, in context of what he could have got somewhere else and thought, no, I don't want to go. This is exciting. This is, this is like everything I hoped Arsenal could be when I joined the academy. I think that's a really interesting part of the decision that he's taken. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, yeah, 100, 100%. I mean, I think I think we've probably seen that with players at other clubs, you know, Liverpool in particular, you know, when they're on the rut, suddenly you, you, you see these guys kind of, it, does, it doesn't take too much to convince them to stay. And I think if it's your boyhood club and you're surrounded by friends in many cases, I mean, mm-hmm. he's grown up with Nketiah and Smith-Rowe and Saka and they've shared a dressing room, you know, why, why wouldn't you want to hang around and see how the party ends, you know? Um, plus, I mean, he is still really, really young, right? So if this year does prove to be a little bit frustrating, he can move. Mm-hmm. Arsenal will get some money. If uh, it proves to be uh, frustrating, but Arsenal wins something, he burnishes his CV with a with 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 potentially a, a medal or two, which is which is great both for, for both parties. Um, so yeah, I, I completely see it. I mean, obviously Arteta's relationship with Nelson goes back a long way. I think even when Arteta was doing his coaching badges, Nelson was kind of you know in, in one of the you know coming through the ranks as it were, and in, a bit like with Inketia, I think he liked what he saw mm. and. Um, I think I'm right in saying in Arteta's first game, Nelson was in the starting line. He was, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there was an immediate, like, I've come into the club and this is a guy I know, this is a guy I think can do mm. something for us. And I think he continues to have the trust of the manager on that level. And I think that must be amazing if you're a player who knows that they can go to another level to have that trust. Also, just to know that the club want to keep you want to give you more money, mm-hmm. all of that should kind of, you know, that would be the same with anyone in any job, right? If your boss turns around and says, here's some more money, congratulations, uh, you're going to feel the love. And I think I think that's sort of played a part in it as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, happy for him. Really curious to see how he, how he goes from here. I mean, I think it probably at the same time underlines that Nicolas Pepe is definitely not going to be hanging around mm. um, because – you know, those two would be going for the the same place. I don't think that's a controversial statement in any way, shape, or form. But Marquinhos as well. I mean, there's someone who was brought in last summer who was sort of competing in a similar part of the field. So I'd be curious to see what happens to him. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a classic of the maybe this player hasn't done as much as other players to. Merit is not quite the wrong word, but to to get a new deal, right? We've seen other young players do more than Reese Nelson. But it feels like a decision that's been made based on the potential that they feel he has. And now, clearly, the the onus is on him to push for a starting place. He's going to have to... He's going to have to play second fiddle in a lot of the season, barring some kind of injury crisis. But he still has plenty to prove as a player that... You know, Arsenal have rewarded him. They've shown faith in him. They've given him a new deal. I see talk of the wages and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm not sure that, you know, the the big fee that's doing the rounds is going to be his basic wage. I think, you know, when you sign on uh, as a Bosman, I guess, uh, or as of at the end of your contract, there's a signing on fee that could be added in. There'll be bonuses, achievements, all those kinds of things, which could make the packages as big as people are talking about. But he has a he has plenty to prove, doesn't he? Not least to himself. Um, you know, we've seen flashes of him and what he can do, but the injuries, the inconsistency, the lack of availability are things that he's going to have to overcome if he wants to make this new contract a success. Yeah, and I think the real challenge for him is how does he how does he do that in the limited game time that he's likely to get at the start of the season? Mm. You know, how do you hit the ground running the moment you're on the pitch? How do you go and make that impact? And to be fair, last season when he was first thrown in half time against Nottingham Forest, game kind of slightly nervy, and he made an impact. Um, that was how you start to to do that. And again, you know, Bournemouth was another example. I know he didn't continue to do that. I mean, it would have been slightly ridiculous if he, he did come off the bench and make that impact every week. But <laughs> yeah. it's 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 that kind of um, it's that kind of impact that Arteta is obviously looking for, um, and consistency as well. You know, how do you stay fit? How do you, um, yeah, how do you, how do you just basically push the guys around you to be at their highest level as well? I think it was interesting last season as well, just watching him interviewed about um, some of the youngsters coming through behind him and how he was sort of, you know, mentoring them a little bit about the mistakes that he made. You know, maybe he wasn't quite as mature, didn't take the opportunity so seriously because he was so talented. I mean, he was like the number one guy in the academy and people just assumed that he would, Mm. you know, make it at Arsenal. And 
you know, he was given his debut by Wenger really, really early. Yeah. And it was just one of those weird things where you watch the player and you're like, what's holding him back? Like the guy that I've watched playing youth football, why isn't he able to just kind of, you know, click his fingers and do the same thing. And it's taken him a while to kind of, to kind of build the confidence up again. I think once he's realized that it's not just as easy as that and he's learned lessons along the way. And I think that mentoring role is actually quite an interesting one now. And also just keeping that Arsenal thread, you know, Per Mertesack has talked about it in the past as well, how important it is to have uh, academy kids in the first team squad, in and around the first team squad, who can show the pathway to the next generation as well. So it all kind of links up. Yeah, and look, it does. There's no sort of linear development um, when it comes to young players. Some of them can come through very quickly. Others take a while to mature. There are plenty of examples of of guys who've got to his age, 23, 24. I think he'd be 24 at the end of the year. Um, and then things kick off for them. And, and the only thing I would say is, you know, there is a seriousness about Mikel Arteta's arsenal and what he wants from his players, what he wants from his squad. He was very clear about what he wants um, in terms of recruitment, very serious about making sure he gets that. We'll come to that, of course, in, uh, uh, when we talk about how much money Arsenal have put down at the very start of this summer. So nobody is making any decisions on a whim here. So... I think the gauntlet is now in in the gauntlet is in his court. I, I'm mixing my metaphors all over the place there, but I mean, you could throw a gauntlet into the other side. Of the you court. could, you ways, could, yeah. but why have you brought a gauntlet to the tennis court? You fucking need <laughs> you. Um, but I, you know, I think it's on him now that this is a big, big show of faith, and um, I'm, I'm curious to see how he does. Speaking of contracts, um, it hasn't been announced yet, but it does uh, appear as if William Saliba's new deal is going to be announced imminently. Maybe um, not by the time we finish recording this, but certainly uh, in the next day or two anyway. That appears to be the thing. I saw uh, the internet sleuths have got William Saliba's agent on Instagram, you know, posting pictures of the, the, the room at London Colney where they do the, where they do the signings, uh, pen in front of him, all the rest of it. Two plus two definitely equals four in this case for sure. But that's another big one, you know, having tied down... Saka, Martinelli, uh, Big Gabby. Um, who else? There was another one. Ramsdale. Ramsdale. Uh, there yeah, might be another. Saka. Saka. Yeah, said Saka. Um, you know, but I'm guessing, you know, along the way, we'll probably look at Martin Odegaard, Ben White, players like that. Um, Saliba's situation was a little bit unique, wasn't it? In that he didn't have that that sort of childhood connection to the club like Saka and even Martinelli who came in at, at a young age. There were some very difficult moments for him when he, um, after he joined. Um, the loan mishap, the not being able to play in the cup final thing, being sent out on loan again. And, you know, the whole, well, Mikel Arteta obviously hates this player type thing. Which, of course, is is nonsense. But you know, you could understand if a player of his potential and his his quality, with one year left on his contract, you know, might have been tempted by some of the offers. I know that PSG were very, very interested. He's obviously sensible enough to stay as far the fuck away from that football club as he possibly can, because they're absolute shambles. But, you know, back-channel overtures, I'm sure, from the big clubs in Spain would have been part and parcel of what was going on. But he's always looked happy. Well, he certainly looked happy last season. He looked part of the group, and this is another big, big uh, contract renewal. This sort of maintaining the squad we have as well as adding to it along the way is going to be part of how we how we continue hopefully on this trajectory and, and maintain the high levels that we've set yeah i mean look it's it's massive massive news i think um a huge coup and chapeau to you know edu and arteta for persuading him i mean i think the moment he managed to get into the team at the beginning of last season and was playing football he never really looked back did he i mm. mean so long as he was playing football, he was happy. And, you know, he, he I mean, he was just such a, a stunning acquisition to the team last season. I don't think, you know, we all knew there was potential there. We were all kind of salivating after watching what he'd done at Marseille. But you still weren't quite sure, especially when you had a partnership there in Ben White and, and, and Gabriel that had already established itself. So to kind of shift things and then still make your impact and, and be that guy, and then, and then, if anything, to have it underlined that the moment you're not in the team, 
everything kind of falls apart. I mean, God, I mean, he had all of the, he had all of the, um, you know, he had all of the advantage in the negotiations, that's for sure. Mm. So I'm sure he's onto a whopper of a deal, which is, you know, great for him. I mean, in terms of the contract situation overall and maintaining that core, yes, fantastic. We've got a young group who are, what, between 22 and 25 now throughout the entire team who look happy, are, are, are believing in the project, seem settled, you know, happy mm. that the manager's around, believe the manager's going to be around for a while as well. I'm looking at our contract situation overall. And once Saliba signs, um, the players who have only got one year, so up to 2024 left, will be Pepe, who we expect to leave. Um, Cedric. Cedric. Um, El Nenny, who's had his contract extended for the year. Um, there's then, you know, Xhaka and uh, 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 Jorginho, who actually have plus ones. Obviously, we know Xhaka's off. And Holding. And then there's a couple of goalkeepers. But, like, mm. you're basically two years ahead of things now, which is exactly where we needed to be. So, um yeah, I mean that's that's a huge achievement in a short period of time to persuade the core to extend, and to know that you now only have to deal with a bit of the the chaff really. Um, mm. So um, they've done really really well there. It also means that all of those guys, if anyone comes after them, we can ask for big money now, mm -hmm. big big money. And when you think about the financial status that the Premier League has. I think we can even fend off some of the biggest clubs in Europe now. You know, if Bayern Munich come or um, Real Madrid come or Barcelona come, you look at their financial situations, maybe Real Madrid slightly different, but you look at some of their financial situations, you think, well, are you going to be able to afford our players now? Probably not. Mm. And that's that's amazing for us because it then just means that you've got to deal with domestic things and players know that those are harder moves to pull off. So, um yeah, we're in a we're in a good place. I mean, uh, you really can't complain about the the work that's being done off the pitch at the moment. No, for sure. I mean, when you think back to where we were maybe three years ago and how everything felt, I'd prefer not to. Yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. would prefer not to as well. But I think you have to, and I think you have to give a lot of credit to to Edu to Mikel Arteta for having a strategy and for implementing that strategy. And I, you know, I'm sure. It's not a unique thing at a football club for the executives, for the manager, for the coach, the board, whatever, to sit down and say, you know what, here's our plan. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. Just a lot of the time, the plans are a bit shit and the people making those plans aren't as smart as they need to be. Yeah. Whereas I think what we've been fortunate or, or smart about is that we've got really, uh, really good, intelligent people making these decisions and, and trying to make these things happen. They've, they've executed, um, you know, a, a very good plan. And I think we're some yeah. way from completion, obviously, but, you know, again, going back to where we were, it's chalk and cheese. I think we've got two teams growing together, right? We've got the executive team, and the guys who are around Edu growing together, because that team has pretty much started from zero once uh, mm. Browse and Leahy went, right? I mean, there's been so much, there was so much turnover there for a while. The introduction, introduction of uh, Richard Garlic, obviously, we know that Tim Lewis is quite heavily involved, but then you've seen some of the other positions that um, James has written about in the last few months, kind of filling in, in and around Edu mm. on, the, on the sporting front, you know, the, the contracts and, um, I know Edu and Arteta obviously get a lot of the, the headlines. I mean, it's natural. Those two do have the most prominent positions. But I do think there's a whole team there who are now able to kind of simultaneously tackle some of these challenges, whereas maybe all the eyeballs were on one particular mm. deal, one particular project. But you're seeing this summer that two or three things are happening simultaneously, more than that, really, with some of the outgoings as well. So, yeah, I think it's a, a, credit, a credit to them. I'm glad to see they're growing together. They seem to have their shit together, which, again, was certainly not the case, as we said, three years ago. Um, so, yeah, I mean, having a, an intelligent off-pitch unit is, is so important these days. Yeah, I mean, the, the point has been made before, um, but, you know, we have a very young executive structure, really. I know there are a few, like Tim Lewis has uh, been around the block a bit more, but, you know, Mikel Arteta, young manager, Per Mertesacker, a young chief uh, academy head. Uh, Vinay is a young chief executive. Josh Kroenke, relatively young um, co-owner, I guess you would say. Edu, again, you know, these guys are all in and around the same age and have sort of forged this... Um, this new arsenal out of the, the 
ashes of something that really was not at all positive. Um, but I do, I wonder if that's actually a, a, a part of this is that there isn't this sort of, okay, you're a young manager, but the chairman of the club is a bit long in the tooth and doesn't care for new ideas and things have been done that way. Um, it feels like the relatively similar ages have played a part in, in how things have been built. Yeah, I mean, at one point, I have to say, I worried a little bit that there was too much power centralized around Mikel Arteta once he became manager, because mm. it felt like he was the one driving everything. But now that I sort of pull back from that a little bit, while I do think he is an absolutely, you know, the integral part of the entire uh, machine, you are looking around and thinking, okay, we've, we, we're filling the club with football intelligence with, you know, legal expertise all the rest like there's there's more of a structure there and it may have come about uh, organically rather than the kind of row plan of trying to stick certain people in certain positions mm. and creating this kind of very rigid you know four person executive team and all the rest of it this is sort of just they're filling in the gaps with the expertise as they realize they need it and um i think that's a, a good thing um we'll see how it plays out i mean as far as i can tell for you know Arteta is showing no sign or interest in, in, in moving elsewhere, which is exactly what uh, we want. I assume he'll get a new deal at, at some point. There'll be something offered to him. Um, we obviously tied down Edu, which is something that um, Arteta wanted. And that didn't happen too long ago as well. So, yeah, it's uh, there's a level of stability and stability is good, especially mm. if you're, you know, heading on an upwards trajectory because it doesn't take much a couple of things come out of the uh, you know you pull a couple of pieces out from the puzzle and it all sort of starts to you know look a bit of a mess and that happened a bit at Liverpool mm. it's just taking them to kind of uh, you know a season or two just to get back into the groove again so yeah yeah the football executive Jenga if you like and mm. um, but I I also think that having that structure that looks like it's effective is part of how you get these these things done um i don't think it hurts at all that you have a very compelling man at the top of the tree the top of the footballing tree i would say anyway in Mikel arteta um uh, you know i don't really pay too much attention to what danny murphy says but i did see a clip of him doing the rounds uh this week where he was on some show i don't know what it was but he was talking about how he met declan rice outside a cafe and you know declan rice was telling him just how amazing Mikel Arteta was and what what sort of vision he sold to him. I'm sort of mm. extrapolating here, but but he he's a very charismatic guy in his own right. You know, he can be a bit straight down the line, but I'm pretty sure when he's sitting right in front of you and he's telling you, you know, Andrew, I've got a place for you in this team and this is what we can achieve and this is what we can do and this is what you can become. It's like you walk out of there going, okay, I'm going to run through walls for this guy, and that basically is what we've seen from these um, from these players. You know, we saw it last season. Yes, we ran out of steam and all the rest of it, but you can see that these guys are super motivated, and it's not just to you know win the football matches that they play. They're sort of bought into what this culture, I guess you would say, this changed culture is at Arsenal now under Mikel Arteta, that this is what he said he was going to do. If you look back yeah. in his first interview or the first couple of interviews that he does, and he, he basically says, this is what I am going to do. If you're on the boat, if you're not on the boat, you can get off, whatever it is, you know, his non-negotiables, all the rest of it. He literally said, this is what I am going to do. This is the way things have to be. And here we are. This is the way things are now. And, yeah. um, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see how you how you continue to build on that because I, I'm not saying it's easy to do what he did because it's not. It absolutely is not to sort of rebuild something, rebuild the football team, rebuild the connection between the fans and the team, you know, through a period where we all know there were outside difficulties with COVID and the Super League nonsense and all the rest of it. Uh, you nearly gave me a heart attack there. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't, didn't know what that was. But dropped a pencil. You dropped the pencil. I am very easily startled. I really am. But I'm not saying that's easy, but it's sort of fairly apparent what you need to do, right? Doing it's another thing. But once you get yeah. to that next level, 
where do you go from there and how do you continue to sort of bring people on board and, and keep them on board and convince them of the work that you want to do at this football club? I'm really fascinated to see what, what, what happens in the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things is you don't stand still, right? You've got to keep changing things, keep freshening it up, bringing new people, bringing new ideas. I mean, we're seeing that right now, right? You know, it would have been quite easy, I think, maybe to sit on party and, and, and Jacker for another season and just sort of hope that they can do a job. And it takes a big, bolder move to go and say, I'm going to start restructuring this while we're still improving. And mm. um yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think I think that's definitely one thing. I mean, I think we might be touching on it, but we don't know what the situation is with the coaching staff. But whether there's a a, a decision being taken to try and freshen things up there to bring in some new ideas, or whether they're you know it was just Steve Round came to the end of his tenure and decided that it was time to try something new himself. We don't know, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's the breaking news today, isn't it? Yeah, Steve Round, who's uh, one of Mikel Arteta's assistants, has left the club by mutual consent. Um, I remember not long after, I mean, he was there from the start. He was one of the first people that Mikel Arteta brought in when he arrived at the club. He's a very experienced coach. Didn't we do some a transcript or of some interview that he did with, uh, was she a golf professional or a golf podcaster? Or really random. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was something along those lines. Because he really keeps a low profile. Yeah. He did happen to appear on some random podcast. It was, it, was, it was quite odd, but it was also very interesting. You know, he spoke very well about what Arteta was trying to do. And you can understand when he's a young coach, bring in some experienced people around you. You know, Steve Round had been... Um, you know, a, a number of clubs and had plenty of years under his belt. So when you're uh, starting off in your coaching career and your managerial career, to have those kind of sounding boards, I think, is is very interesting. It's also one of the things that Alex Ferguson used to do quite regularly was to change up his coaching staff. We know that Arsene Wenger stuck with people for a long time and like I'm not being critical of that because there there was a long time where it worked really well but there were also you know maybe times where you thought okay could you do with a different uh, a different guy in that position could you shift things up a bit and I think towards the end of his certainly in the second half of his tenure there were more frequent coaching changes you know as the game developed and different things developed uh, you needed maybe different people in there so it will be interesting to see who comes in. Will it be a promotion from within? Is that the way, you know, we have a couple of young coaches in there who might think, okay, um, this is the club for me because I can see a pathway to a more involved role. And then you bring in somebody else who's quite young and, and they can grow. Or does he bring in somebody else who's experienced, you know, a different kind of experience? We're in the Champions League now. We're fighting for titles now, fingers crossed. Maybe you need something a little bit extra in that regard. So uh, it's one of those where you you imagine it's going to be filled, but quite by who, we don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they may... I mean, he may look at it and go, "I don't, I don't necessarily need someone else." I mean, he's got Albert Stevenberg, who's you know been operating as a as a assistant himself, and and was a more prominent figure, you know, took over when Arteta wasn't able to be in the dugout a couple of times, mm-hmm. that type of thing. So, um, yeah, I don't know whether there's a sort of you know a, a, a good cop bad cop. Uh, you know, relationship <laughs> that was played between Steve and 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 uh, or Steve Round and Albert. Uh, you know, yeah, that's yeah. you know whether you need to try and sort of find that balance again with somehow. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, this is really kind of come out of the blue, and it sounds as though, I mean. We've not heard any whispers, you know. I know a lot of people got very excited about the idea of Santi Cazorla yeah. retiring and coming to join Arsenal, but I mean, let's be honest. As lovely as it would be to have Santi around, I don't think someone with Steve Round's like expertise in the in the dugout versus Santi, who comes in has never even done his coaching badges yet, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, my um, my Twitter mentions are literally uh, full of people going Santi Cazorla, pictures of Santi Cazorla, and yeah, I said, yeah. I wonder who uh, Mikel Arteta will replace him with. It's like ninety percent Cazorla, ten percent, nine percent Fabric gas and then one yeah. percent others you know yeah well i mean we know it's not going to be fabregas because he's just taken a job at como b hasn't he or the club he basically part owns yeah. as well so i think he's going to keep himself busy as well I, 
who knows? I mean, it's kind of interesting to see. I mean, it'll probably end up being someone we've never heard of, you know, some kind of low-key guy, because that's basically where Arteta's shopped so far, hasn't mm. he? I mean, no, you know, Miguel Molina and Carlos Cuesta, Nicolas Jova, uh, Andreas Georgeson while he was at the club. You yeah. know, these were kind of guys who had specialties who he'd probably met along the, you know, his own journey, but not necessarily high-profile names because you don't really need a high-profile name to do that type of thing. No. Those people have probably got their eyes on bigger jobs, maybe. Well, that's it. Um, that's it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what he does, whether he promotes from within and brings somebody else in to, to fill one of those positions. Um, I mean, what's been really interesting is that Arsenal have been very, very cagey about who fills what role at the club in a way that they didn't used to be. You know, mm. There used to be a dedicated page on the club website that detailed the bios of each of the staff members and all the rest of it. And that got stripped away quite a while ago. And there's just not been anything like that since. Um, they don't really talk about the staff too much. You know, occasionally they'll get the opportunity to do a feature on, you know, arsenal.com, but mostly they are kept in the background and they're mm. focused on the players. Um, so, yeah. We'll I mean, yeah, you can find out. I mean, you go to um, training, training ground guru and they'll mm. give you, you know, the basic information on there, but yeah, we'll be, we'll be curious to see what happens and look, a, a bit of change. At coaching level is is no bad thing as well. Um, presumably, everything you know with this one is uh, you know is as they say it is mutual agreement. There's no sort of falling out or anything like that. Um, so let's see what happens there. You mentioned him a little while ago. Granite Xhaka hasn't happened officially, officially, but he's had a medical at Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, that is an imminent announcement. Oh, it's just happened. No way, really. I've just refreshed the Bayer Leverkusen website and right. it has happened. So I better post a <laughs> Ars Blog News thing. You do an Ars Blog News thing there while uh, while I keep talking. So Granit Xhaka, now a Bayer Leverkusen player. I mean, there was a point where this summer, despite the fact we all kind of knew in inverted commas that he was going to go, this has happened more than once where we all thought he was going to go. You know, after the uh, the Crystal Palace thing, we thought he was going to go. There was talk of Hertha Berlin back then, I think it was. And then, of course, there was... Was it last... Was Roma the... Was that last summer? The whole Roma thing? Yeah. Yeah. I so, so, I mean, it was, that was only 12 months ago. You, you keep working away there. Um, you know, it did look like he was going to join Roma. Um, he was, you know, talking about it himself, and then he, he ended up back. So, like, if Granishak had come back and unpacked his suitcases, it wouldn't have been the biggest surprise in the world, given what's happened before. But he's now a Bayer Leverkusen player, um, fee yeah. somewhere in the region of £21 million, which is a lot better than we thought it was going to be a few mm. days ago. And I think probably the right move for all concerned after you know what has been an eventful period in North London for, for Granite. Yeah, I've just got a quote from him here. He says, I see Bayer now as a club with a great future. Discussions with the management have been incredibly motivating. Everybody here is ambitious and wants to achieve something. I like that. It's quite vague, isn't something, it? Something, yeah. Just wants to achieve something. I just want to achieve um, something. Don't we all? He's keeping the number 34. He looks very happy. He's smiling. Uh, yeah, good for him. Look, I, 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 I always like Granite because I, he always sort of said it like it was, right? And mm -hmm. I kind of respected that. And... Every time you ever spoke to anyone in the club, they're always like, he's so important. He's central to everything. He's the best trainer. He's, you know, the leader in the dressing room, the big voice. Mm. It leaves a void. And I think that's why the club was so intent on getting someone who had leadership qualities. You know, mm -hmm. you're replacing him with Declan Rice, who's a captain, West Ham, and, you know, a, an England international. Um, but there's no doubt that he'll he'll be missed. And um, I'm really, really, really chuffed for him that he went out on a high note. And, and to get those, you know, two goals on his final appearance and to have the supporters kind of cheering his name and give him a standing ovation. I mean, it's just such a lovely story in the end. And it means that his relationship with the club, whatever happens now in the rest of his playing career, will continue for the rest of his life. You know, he'll be welcomed back with open arms. He'll be, you know... Who knows? It'll be the Ray Parler role in 15 years, you know, heading off to whichever country we've uh, sponsored or whatever, you know, riding. Yeah. 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 Granite Shacker doing the Cobra bombs in, you know, 
I'm not sure it's, it's quite going to work in the same way. Probably uh, more likely Granit Xhaka, Arsenal coach. You know, he strikes me as being someone who's got that probably in his mind. Sure, sure. Um, I mean, there are obviously things um, that have happened during his time here, ups and downs. I mean, people, you know, that old phrase, you could write a book about, you know, that thing or the other thing. I think you could definitely write a book about Granit Xhaka's time at Arsenal. Have we got any quotes about um, Arsenal um, uh, from yeah, Granit? Yeah, I've got something here. So Edu has said, Granit has been a big part of our club for a long time. He's given us great commitment and quality over the years, playing such an important role in our progression and success. He leaves with our huge respect and thanks. We wish him all the best for the future. Arteta adds... We're saying goodbye to a fantastic player in person, loved by all of us. It has been an incredible journey together for him, and he has given absolutely everything for the club. The influence Granite has had on his teammates on the pitch and colleagues at the club will tell you just how popular he is. We cannot thank him enough for his service, yada, yada, yada. We wish Granite and his family all the best in the next steps for their lives. Yeah. Okay, there you go. I mean, look, I, I will admit that he is a player who, you know, over the years did frustrate me at times. There were moments where I thought, but... You can't really um, knock how he responded to a situation, I think, that wasn't always of his own making. I'm not... Ab um, what's the word? Abdicating is what a king does. Um, I'm not saying he didn't have any responsibility for what happened, but I think, you know, that period before the Crystal Palace game was turbulent to say the least and the the delay in naming him captain and all that kind of stuff but to come back from that again going back to Arteta you know who had only yeah. just come into the job obviously you know he was again he has packed his bags he was ready to go and and Arteta convinced him to stay in circumstances where you know I think the the easiest thing for him as a player would have been to just say fuck this uh, you know that was terrible um, even if he felt justified by what he did, which I think he actually did, uh, you know, the easy thing would have been to just go somewhere else and put that behind you and become a footnote in, you know, uh, the history of Arsenal. But I think, you know, he had the, the, the strength of character, if you like, to face that up and to, to turn, not everybody, but to turn a lot of people's opinions of him around. And that's that's a rare thing to do in in football, which is a very very unforgiving industry to be in. If you get on the wrong side of the fans, it is basically not impossible, but it's so difficult to turn that around again. Yeah, it, I mean, it's very very difficult without it being a kind of almost like you know cult figure, joke figure type thing. Um, yeah, he's he's done well. I mean, I know we were talking earlier about um, you were referencing that uh, Danny Murphy thing about how persuasive Arteta can be. Mm. I mean, Arteta had only been in the job for what two, three weeks when he had to face this issue. I mean, mm. the issue was bubbling away, but the fact that the transfer window opened and Jacker had an offer and he was ready to go, um, and even at that point, Arteta was able to, you know, persuade this guy who couldn't have been at a lower ebb to stick around, mm. um, sold in the dream and, and has, and has managed to pull that off. I mean, it's just a shame that it, it didn't end with a, with a Premier League title really. But yeah. I mean, other than that, I mean, Granite couldn't have hoped that the last couple of years would go any better. Um, so yeah, I mean, well done everybody really to, to, to work on that, not give up on things. And, uh, I mean, again, a good lesson to, to sort of show to any players in the squad that you can, you can sort of, you can think you're down and out, but there's still opportunities for you. Mm. I just went to his Instagram to see if there was a, uh, like a message or anything like that. But there appears to be a, a video, uh, sort of thank you, Granite video, which I, you know, obviously can't watch while we're recording. So uh, we'll see what he comes out with. But look, good luck to him at Bayer Leverkusen. Arsenal have got a, a decent fee for him, I think, in the current market that will go a small way to offsetting some of the other stuff uh, that we need to do this summer. And like, I think this is probably, oh, did we mention it? We've mentioned it before, but it's very rare in the last couple of weeks that you can get this far into a conversation in an Arsenal podcast without referencing Declan Rice. From what we understand, the medical is taking place on Friday. When exactly there's going to be an announcement, we don't know. Um, but he is going to become the club's 
record signing, 100 million pounds plus 5 million pounds in add-ons. The 100 million to be paid over the course of 24 months in three installments. That is a lot of money to pay in a short period of time. You and I and many people have been critical of the owners down the years. I think when it comes to how they have backed Mikel Arteta and the vision that Mikel Arteta has sold them, he's probably sold them the same vision he sold Granite Shack and all the players that he's brought in. But they haven't been found wanting financially over the last number of years in terms of rebuilding this squad. We've talked about the rebuild and all the rest of it, but you know, a big part of that is just paying lots of money for good players, which is what we've done. Paid out a lot of money, brought in very little. And while this is obviously money that Arsenal as a football club, as an organization, is going to have to to repay over the years in however many installments that they do it, the owners have facilitated this payment, um, these payments and, and this kind of spending. So before we talk Declan Rice, I, I do think that's worth pointing out. Yeah. I'm happy to, you know, do a chapeau to the Cronkies in this situation. I mean, I do feel slightly uncomfortable not knowing the terms of the the loans, which is effectively what we're assuming that, you know, this is mm-hmm. how the money is being, you know, is passing through the club and into the hands of uh, the, the, the clubs that we're buying from. Uh, but, you know, if you want to win things and you want to compete with some of the teams that we have to compete with, the nation state owned clubs and whatnot, mm-hmm you do kind of have to flash the cash a little bit. And to be fair, you know, you're looking around at their other franchises and they've gone with sort of underlying similar uh, objectives and in, in different sports across basketball, across, you know, NFL mm-hmm. you know, with their uh, ice hockey team, all the rest of them are doing quite well at the moment. A kind of weird turnaround from this sort of silent stand, very average um, pissing everyone off kind of uh, ownership. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I don't know whether they've had a kind of eureka moment or just decided that winning's far more fun than being shouted at for being average. But <laughs> it's, it's, def- it's definitely good. The only other thing is, you know, we, we keep talking about Arteta being persuasive. Maybe he's a hypnotist. Maybe Arteta just has this means of just sort of talking to people, look into my eyes, look into my eyes, give me the money. <laughs> Uh, you wouldn't put it past him. He can speak seven or eight languages. So if he can speak the language of hypnosis, yeah. does he have a little gold watch <laughs> underneath that <laughs> turtleneck of his? Who yeah. knows? Oh, I like I like this. I like this idea. We'll have to keep an eye out for it. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Hypnotist. Yeah. What okay. are, I mean? What are your sort of cliff notes on on Declan Rice? Um, what, what does this signing? I know it hasn't happened yet, but what does it say to you about? where we are and what we want to do. Well, I'll put it this way. If you told me two years ago that Arsenal were going to sign Declan Rice from West Ham for £100 million ahead of Manchester City, I'd have said you were fucking crazy. If I told you that a year ago, would you have thought that was fucking crazy? a year ago. Mm. Again, I mean, it's so that it says that we're on the up. That's what it says to me. Mm. It says we have ambition. It says that uh, we have a clear idea of how we want to use this guy because I definitely don't think you spend a hundred million pounds on a guy and, 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 and don't have a clear plan for him. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it says to me that we're, yeah, we, we, we're, we're going big on this. Like we're ready for the champions league. We want to compete for the premier league. Uh, and I mean, he seems like a likable chap as well, doesn't he? I mean, he's, there was all those videos, you know, just after Arsenal had sort of done the bad thing and not said hello to the mascot. You remember that last season? Oh, the, yeah, the big yeah. furore over that. And then West Ham very quickly put out a video not long after. And it was like Declan Rice had basically written poetry for a small child or something. I don't know, it wasn't quite that. But, um, you know, he's bringing the nice guy factor, but he's also bringing the big ballsy midfielder factor mm. into it. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's exciting, isn't it? I mean... There's not many signings in my lifetime that, are, I mean, Sol Campbell obviously is the big one. Dennis Bergkamp, obviously huge. Mm. But this does feel like statement signing stuff, right? I mean, the thing about uh, Bergkamp and Campbell was that they were sort of out of the blue in a way. Yeah. You know, 
like Saul, obviously, everyone came to a press conference expecting to see Arsenal announce Richard Wright and Arsene Wenger walks out with Saul Campbell, which is you know, objectively be, hilarious. Um, you just couldn't, it would just never, not in a million years yeah. could that happen now. And we lived in an era when Dennis Bergkamp signed where, you know, you, you weren't um, aware of what was going on. You know, the back pages, of course, there were rumours, there was C-fax and you could uh, ring up club call or whatever it was and pay, you know, 58p a minute for a guy who would say, the latest Arsenal transfer news <laughs> is, and it would keep you on the phone, right? But that was just mostly bullshit anyway. This has happened in, I guess, an extended period of time because it was maybe six months ago when it was January, it was January when those stories came out. And I know, you know, I'd heard, I'd heard that we were really interested in him before that, but nobody was saying anything. And then it came out and then you have six months where everybody knows that this guy is on the market. Like he Mm. can, he can choose where he wants to go. There are other clubs that can spend as much, if not more than Arsenal. So you're having to do this deal in full view of everybody, the public. Um, I think that makes it more complicated. Mm. You know, ideally, you know, if you if you can keep everything under wraps and then just announce a player, brilliant. But that's not the world we live in anymore. And when people knew that Arsenal were interested, I'm sure that there were overtures to him from other clubs. We heard, of, you know, we knew about Manchester City. We knew Manchester United I mean, Manchester United weren't serious. You know, they offered some money and Harry Maguire and somebody else. Like you can't, you can't, you can't try and get a player like Declan Rice and and offer Harry Maguire. It's like going into a fucking Porsche dealership and offering to part pay with a fucking bag of chickens or something, you know? Um, (laughs) You just, you can't, but we knew that Bayern Munich were interested and seriously interested as well. So I think, you know, as we think about this as a a signing and, you know, we've got a much... um, much more detailed podcast to come for our Patreon members. We'll look into Declan Rice as a player and all the rest of it. But but as a deal that has been done in the full view of, of everybody in football, I think, you know, Arsenal deserve massive credit for pushing the boat out, which they have, £100 million, £105 million. It's an extraordinary amount of money. But they've got their man. They set their sights on him in sort of the same way they did with Gabriel Jesus last season convinced him this was the place to be and they've got their man and i think that's a huge credit to to everybody and i think they've gone further than they anticipated to get him because i you know Mm. winning the conference league city coming in at the end i think rice having a good world cup all of these things kind of snowballed and his value just sort of went high you know bellingham moving to uh, real madrid as well all of these things kind of you sort of thought, oh God, the price is going up and up. I have to say, I remember the day that, I think it was Gary Jacob in the Times wrote the story up about Rice and we had a chat about it and you said, oh, I've heard about this. And then you suddenly saw quite a few other journalists had, had almost been sitting on the story. Mm-hmm. And, they, and I was kind of wondering, well, if it comes out now, this is not good news for Arsenal because as you say, a six month run up to something like this, anything can happen. You mm-hmm. don't want that out in the public, but it was. And somehow, yeah, I mean, as of with Thursday, we're 24 hours potentially away from it becoming a reality, which is incredible. And then, yeah, hopefully he'll be on the plane to Germany on Sunday and training. And who knows? We, might, You know, you might see him for 15 minutes playing a friendly in a week's time. Yeah, I mean, that's that's mad. I'm sure that the, the manager will want to have him and Urien Timber from Ajax. Um, that's another one. You know, David Ornstein gave us the it's done without it being officially done tweet updates um, during the week. So, you know, between Havertz, Rice, Timber... It's a very strong start to the uh, to the transfer window from an Arsenal perspective. Yeah, it definitely looks like someone said you've got two hundred million pounds, go and spend it, and they've gone and spent two hundred million pounds. Yeah, um, I mean, sorry, just to go back to what you were saying about Rice and pushing the boat out, I do think that's true. I think they probably ended up paying more than they would have liked to pay, but if you are willing to pay a hundred million for Mudrick, 
which we apparently were in January, mm-hmm. I don't think going the extra mile for Declan Rice is anywhere near as much of a risk as it would have been, you know, for 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 Mudrick, who's clearly talented but uh, still very raw. Yeah, no, that that's true. I mean, yeah, I, again, we we don't know the specifics of the how the Mudrick deal was pr- propositioned, right? You know, it mm. sounded like our uh, terms of payment weren't exactly enticing for for Shakhtar at the time, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, yeah, exactly. Man for man. I mean, you look at Declan Rice and he's a, a, a player with Premier League experience, international experience, captain of a football club, uh, a very good player, still young, 24, um, plays in the position that's arguably the most important on the pitch, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're going to have to pay a lot of money, especially in this market, English tax, fellow London club, Aggie West Ham fans getting annoyed. All of it adds up. Mm. Um so yeah, it was it was a big price, but let's hope it was worth it. Um, I think it will be. I genuinely think he's a player who you look at and you think, yeah, okay, I don't worry too much about him settling in. Yeah, it feels kind of like the right player at the right time, you know? Um, yeah, famous last words. Yeah, they are, but hey... I said them now, so I can't take them back. Look, we had better leave it there. Um, there will, of course, be more to come over the course of this summer. Like I said, we'll have some podcasts for you over on Patreon. Um, as soon as these new signings are announced, you get your podcast. Uh, for now, uh, we leave it there. Andrew, thank you. Uh, thank you very much, as always. Thank you very much. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Thank you very much indeed to Andrew. You can find him on Twitter. He is at A. Allen Sport. That's at A. Allen Sport. So that is just about that for this week's show. Hopefully, we can get some confirmation over the weekend of the things that we thought were going to happen but haven't happened yet, which are, of course, William Saliba's contract and the uh, confirmation of the signings of Declan Rice and Urien Timber. Arsenal are going to Germany on Sunday, I believe, for a bit of a training camp before we play a game against Nuremberg, I think on Thursday. After that, preseason really kicks off. There's the US tour, of course, with the MLS All-Star game, then games in New York and Los Angeles. I will be out in New York and LA, so hopefully we can catch up with a few of you there, but we'll give you more details on any bits and bobs that might be happening uh, in the next week or so. So for now... Thank you very much indeed, as always, for listening. Have yourselves a great weekend, and we will catch you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye. Join us as we take another enchanting adventure into the world 
of the angriest man on Twitter. Jacka, what are you doing? Why are you getting all these yellow cards? Why are you giving the ball away in dangerous positions? I can't believe you've given away another penalty. Now what? You're telling the fans to fuck off? I'll show you who can fuck off, Jacka. Oi, Jacka, I wish you well in your new adventure in Germany. I don't really understand what has happened. Somebody has made me less angry. Than I used to be. They've touched my very heart. And maybe I need to be more open to the idea of forgiveness. And kindness. Above anger. With that in mind, I will now just log on to my beloved Twitter. To see what's happening in this world we live in. Next week, another madcap laugh a minute romp with the angriest man on Twitter. Everything is shit! Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, You won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.